hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Salacast for this season with myself, Glenn Price, and I'm joined as usual by Ollie Warner. How are you this evening, Ollie? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. I'm good. Um, good? You sure? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to this pod, let's put it that way. A um, lot to discuss. Mm. Um, I think it's interesting doing a podcast um, on the day of the game, so that's going to be interesting yeah. for us. Um, as you saw my silly tweet out uh, for the game with the burning fire. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think it's going to... There's plenty of talking points. And, yeah, there's more talking points now um, after the game than there was, I probably thought, as I left. Because um, a few things that have come out. So, well, yeah. Yeah, and the post-match reaction. Yeah, the post-match reaction, the fans' reaction, um, the manager's reaction, um, to the fans' reaction. Uh, <laughs> there's, um, yeah, lots to go through. So, yeah, well, uh, let's. I think we'll uh, we'll jump straight into this one. Just before we do, I guess, just say that um, you weren't in the you were in the you were in the south stand, weren't you, Glenn? Yeah, I went to the south stand for the first time. Um, experienced the south safe standing. I think I said that on the podcast last week, but I think I might just sort of cover that at the, at the end of when we finish yeah. talking about the game because I think it, sort of being in there was quite an interesting, different experience about the atmosphere and the reaction at the end of the game. So yeah, I'll bring that up then. But um, yeah, I was I wasn't in my usual spot. You were, but you you brought someone who hadn't seen us before as well. So that gave you an interesting perspective, I bet. Well, actually, Neil has seen us. Neil, my friend from Mondelez Cabri, um, good friend of mine. Um, he, I don't know if you met him at the wedding. Um, he's a really good chap. Um, he's um, been to quite a few Shrewsbury games over the years um, and came to see us a few times last year um, and the year before. Um, so he's been to see us quite a few times. And yeah, he was a little bit shocked um, by it. And yeah, his kind of view of the game is obviously quite interesting because he's got no agenda no he's just purely no. watched that game so there's a few comments from him which i'm going to use in the podcast Super. um so that'll be good so yeah in different perspective for both of us and different views but um i think um i think we should Let's, get into this one yeah let's do it mate and here come the home side the last chance surely it is vernon on the left there are bodies in the box it is scott vernon driving towards the goal he's still going and he's in there so- Um, yeah, game on Sunday, which is a bit different. And Shrewsbury won, Salford won, both goals in the first half. Norborn on 25 minutes and Rooney, um, Adam Rooney scored on 20, um, 27th minute. Um, mm-hmm. Attendance was 4,500 with 400 fans from Salford. Um, so it's quite a good number for those guys. Obviously, quite quite a lot of those obviously new fans. And team selection. So Arnold kept his place in goal, which wasn't too much of a surprise. The normal nope. back four. And then we played a midfield diamond with Grant, Norburn, Laurent, Doherty with Fay and Holloway. So, yeah, so um, thoughts. I don't think I'm just on the team, I don't think it was too much of a surprise. You know, Diamond has worked fairly well in a couple of games, you know, as a kind mm-hmm. of a, as a change to yeah. the, in the circumstance. Um, which seemed to have worked quite well in the past. So obviously we went with that, which cut made me have two strikers. Um, but it's obviously different, interesting it being on a Sunday and also the time. Yeah, it takes a bit out of the game for me, Ollie. To be honest, you just you know, I mean, we'll talk about the memorial service in a minute, which was fantastic, and that probably affected a bit of the, the sort of going into the game. But yeah, Sunday games are a bit crap, aren't they? And I can imagine why fans of Premiership teams who get their team get their games moved around all the time lose their rag about it because you know there is something about the three o'clock kick off on a Saturday. That I think I still teams. thinking it's Saturday, mate. I don't. Yeah. Think, I'm not going to work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, everybody's going to work tomorrow. So yeah, the early kick off on the Sunday thing, it was um, it wasn't great. But to be fair, the attendance wasn't affected by that. I don't think because it was very very similar to what we had against Aldershot last year, but um would have been nice to have had a similar result to what we got against Aldershot, Ollie. It would have been good to get a win. Obviously, another game is not necessarily what we need. Um, nope. But as you were saying, um, the um, obviously it was Memorial Sunday, um, which I thought was, was fantastic. I'm watching a lot of sport this weekend, 
Um, I've seen this done by quite a lot of different um, yeah. groups and organisations, including including the um, the rugby. Um, but I thought this was, as you said, Glenn, this was excellently done, and I thought it was well observed by all fans. Brilliant, and yeah, we're probably going to talk about quite a lot of negative things on the pitch, but you certainly can't talk about anything uh, negatively about the way the club organised the, the memorial service before the game. I thought it was well judged, um, really well observed by all our fans and the Salford fans. You know, I didn't hear a murmur the whole time, and no. there's something very spine tingling about the bugler playing the last post, isn't there? It doesn't yeah. doesn't matter. Where where you're at or what event you're at it was it was quite spine tingling at, at um, AFC Wimbledon last weekend and I thought it was again here so yeah I mean let's start with the, the big positives of the day really which was how well organised that was how well observed it was and um, a real uh, you know we've got a friend of ours who, who was there with us who, who served in the Navy and sometimes you have to take a step back and remember that you know even even your friends have come back into civilian life they've done something for this country they've they've put their you know you know bodies on the line or whatever in certain cir- circumstances even if you were in the Navy <laughs> but yeah so it, it's nice to be able to remember you know, even family, relatives, or, or just friends that have served, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. It was well done, and we're obviously, and you always, yeah, it does, it does, does hit you when you take that moment to think. Um, yeah. As I was just coming on, Becky had um, posted this picture of um, Edinburgh Castle just before First World War, and a whole regiment it must be an Edinburgh regiment going out, and then okay. they afterwards they have a photo of the men, the soldiers who remained, who came back, and it's quite stark in terms of the very small numbers of men that came yeah. back. Um, so yeah, let's not we we could turn this into a wall door on history podcast because <laughs> I don't I'm a big very fan much about it. Ollie, I wouldn't bother. I'd, well, <laughs> I mean, I'd probably a lot of me talking then. So yeah, I did history at uni, but I've got. Quite <laughs> oh, there you go history. then. Yeah, you're the you're the you're, you're you can be the expert on that. But yeah, I just thought it was, it was brilliant, and, and credit to everyone at the club for how well that was organised. And yeah, I suppose there we turn our head towards more negative thoughts because the game kicks off, and fairly soon into it, I thought this doesn't feel like it's going to be a classic, Ollie. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Salford started quite well. Obviously, we talked on the last podcast, didn't we, about Salford? And obviously, there's a lot yeah. of hoobala and a lot of noise about them. And then we were looking at their squad and we said, well, there's obviously Adam Bruni's name stands out, but they've got a lot of non league players. Um, and they started quite well, actually. Like, you know, they're not, not, they're not particularly crisp or, you know, as, as unique or, you know, as dynamic as a League One team. Um, no. But they started well, didn't they? And they create two chances and they should have been, they should have been up after 10 minutes or so. Yeah, it was it was a worrying start, and they they really did go for us. You know, we started slowly, like we have done a few times recently, and um, it, it was a bit concerning. You know, but and and you know, you had your concerns about the way they started and the chances they created. But for me, you know, you're right to say they weren't. Uh, you know, as as this sort of all conquering you know conference team. You know, when you looked at the way those centre backs played at the start of the game, it was interesting that they wanted to play out from the back. Ollie, pretty much every time Chris Neal got the ball, he tried to look for one of the centre backs. Um, and and when they got it, sometimes they looked really gettable. Did you not think? And I thought yeah. we missed a chance to really push them. In in that first 10 minutes at the back we we maybe gave them a little bit too much space at the start I thought it was quite interesting all game that they clearly are used to obviously having time on the ball yeah yeah and how many times did um, we uh, you know we, don't, we haven't used this term on the pod but I think it's very apt for this game you know pick their pockets no. how many times did we do what was you know especially the left back um, there we picked his pocket a lot and there was yeah, quite Norburn. a few times, yeah, Norman did a good job on him, but there was quite a few times we won really, really simple tackles. Um, I remember Beckles doing a couple in the second half as well, is that I think they're used to teams just kind of standing off them um, and yeah. giving them that space and not really doing much until they get into their into their half. Uh, but yeah, on that side of things, I thought, yeah, we, we could have done a bit better. And I guess it was just kind of the story of the season and also the story um, of this game in terms of just poor decision-making and a lack of... Um, 
precision and lack mm. of you know a black you know there was wasn't any wasn't, wasn't, wasn't any good passing again that's what i think was one of the things that have kind of been a frustration for the fans yeah i mean you're right to say we did pick their pocket in midfield but you, you've got to expect we played a very narrow diamond and yeah. as soon as they went in field we were able to harass them and get the ball off them a little bit quicker our biggest issue was it was always quite deep um sometimes yeah. we got it off the left back when he was approaching the halfway line but then when we looked to break you know sometimes Faye had dropped or holloway was struggling to get back up with play and um it was really those two up front i wanted to see put their bodies on the line a little bit more but unfortunately Holloway he's trying to nurse himself through a game still I think and he didn't want to burn himself out chasing balls around the back when actually in this circumstance they just looked ropey enough that it might have coughed up a chance or two and, and that's really all it would have took to probably win the game then but um, yeah it, that's sort of, you know, a, a criticism that probably went through the whole game but in, in fairness to, to Salford I think into the second half they stopped playing around the back they went a bit more direct but um, yeah. that was more to do with the pressure and we'll come to that but yeah they, they definitely started well and, and they definitely fluffed their lines that's for sure there was a, a really good chance I remember that they had um, and yeah, a couple of chances we'll come to in a minute as well. But yeah, it was it was not uh, it still wasn't a great game for me. <laughs> no, I was thinking at this point, I'm glad it's not on TV because it wasn't a great advert for anyone. And I think it probably took us to into the 20 minutes for us to start doing a bit of good passing yeah. and move. And, and this is the frustration of the whole game is that on the few times we did do pass and move, it was really effective, yeah. really effective. Um, and that contributed 25 minutes in. A really good, well-worked bit of football. Um, the ball, the ball comes to Oli Norbert in the box, who fires through a crowd, um, yep. and that was the best bit of passing we'd done all game. And you know, we did happen. Did this kind of this kind of good passing movement football did happen a couple of times in the game, um, but it just shows you that there are there is quality in this team, um, but we just can't consistently get enough and can't get a tune out of it. Um, yeah. But when we scored, did you think you know? Oh, we go then. You know, we're going to maybe score again after this. What was your thoughts at this point? Yeah. You st- I actually turned around to my brother and it was, and was almost like saying game over I thought against a conference team 1-0 up at home where we just started to turn the screw the couple of minutes beforehand I, w- I was pretty sure that we would probably go on to win it you know odds would have been in our favour to have, to have won that game and um, so I was I was convinced we'd go on to do well to be honest with you and um, yeah going back to the goal it was it was an interesting goal there's a lot of credit due for Beckles and, and Faye in the build up because Beckles won the ball down the left did did quite well um, and then he just he played a nice little re- sort of almost reverse pass through to Faye and the whole chance came from Faye's quick feet his first touch was brilliant he just knocked it ahead of him and then a lovely little lofted chip to the back post um, and obviously this is in front of where we were standing so it looked really good and then Neil got a hand to it so he did sort of push push it to the back post and then Norburn sort of took it down took it on his thigh and to be fair he did strike it sweetly but it took at least five deflections on the way into the back of the net and, and Chris Neil almost got a hand to it but in that circumstance we just needed the goal didn't we and um, we'd, we'd kind of knocked on the door a little bit so I was I don't know about you Ollie, but I, I, at that point in time I was nothing but confident we'd go on to win the game despite how poor the game had been really yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Was yeah, just finally find a bit of um, a bit of composure and a bit of ability, and kind of at this point, I thought, yeah, definitely going to we should win this game, and our quality was was you know coming through first real chance, and we taken it. Mm, yeah, and, and and that was kind of what we thought, but unfortunately, it was a case of shooting ourselves in the foot pretty much straight away, wasn't it? And um, we almost could have conceded just before we did, didn't we? Thanks, thanks, but for a, a, a brilliant super save from Steve Arnold again. Yeah, I don't know what everyone reacted in the south stand, but in the west stand, everyone stood up and clapped for quite a long yeah. time. Couldn't really see from where we were. <laughs> Oh, you couldn't really. Oh, it was, the, the save was amazing. Everyone in the West End stood up, and there was a real prolonged clap um, for that save, um, and from the Salford fans as well. Um, they clapped mm. for quite a while as well. You know, well into when the corner was getting ready to be taken. Um, so that was that was nice to see. Um, and then, um, yeah, they take a corner, and we did. You know, a, quite a schoolboy thing in terms of letting their star <laughs> striker free, and he the heads it home. Uh, yeah. yeah, their best man, their best player, 
Um, obviously, I don't. I couldn't see at the time who um, who was marking him, and I wouldn't want to speculate. Um, so we're not sure who it is. We haven't had the val- the, the advantage of watching hi- um, highlights to prep for this pod, so yeah. we haven't seen it. But um, no, yeah, um, not great. And yeah, kind of like all the um, yeah, that just kind of was a bit of a sucker punch. Criminal, pretty criminal to be honest. We haven't gone one 0 up, and um, you know, just got away with that again as well. Yeah, same as Wimbledon. I said, I said that to the guys around me as well, and um, maybe that's becoming a little bit of a soft, soft underbelly for us on the set pieces as well. There's been a lot in the recent games, hasn't there? I think maybe there was one at Oxford as well. I can't quite remember, but um, yeah, there was was there was a cross and a corner. Yeah, sorry, cross and a a corner from. Oxford, Oxford, yeah. So it's not it's not been great on that on that front as well, and, and it's just as well the defence are doing quite as well in open play because we've been seeing a lot more otherwise. And um, yeah, it, it looked like heads went down a little bit to be honest with you after that. And the, the rest of the half really from twenty seven minutes on was really really scrappy, wasn't it? And and I think both both teams sort of failed to really create that much in terms of good chances. We certainly didn't create any any good chances the rest of that half that I can remember. And um, the only real sort of signal for me of the rest of that half was the, the sort of growing frustration of Shrewsbury fans. Did you not think with the referee? Um, because yeah. he was giving them a lot of decisions. He was giving that... them a lot. And it's almost like he was treating them as the big boys. It, um, it's very odd. And our players are obviously visibly getting very frustrated on in Auburn, probably the most mm. frustrated throughout the game. Mm. Um, but it wasn't yeah. that odd, Ollie, because did you know where that referee's from? No. Salford. Is he? <laughs> And do you know who he supports, or he's been to watch at least twice this season? Salford. And do you know who his mate is? Who? Gary Neville. <laughs> I'm not even kidding, that's true. Oh. You sound shocked by that, that's true. Well, it kind of adds up. <laughs> it does, doesn't it, when you see how he refereed the game, yeah. Um, there was someone, someone put a few things up about it online today, yeah. He, I think he's been with some of his friends to watch Salford on a night out, you know, and obviously being from Salford, um, as a referee, he's gone to watch his local team. I don't think he's there, f- I don't think he supports them, to be fair, because I'm not sure you're allowed to referee games of teams you support, but well, he's certainly but from only, the area. They haven't been a team for very long, so maybe when he registered who he supported, exactly. he put Man United yeah. down or something. Don't know, very strange, very strange very he ended strange. up getting our game, though, and I, and I do think that, um, uh, overall, I think maybe, you know, as a referee, he balanced out a little bit, I suppose. But um, there was certainly a point in the first half where fact town fans were, you know, all around the stand chanting, "You don't, you don't know what you're doing to yeah. do." So yeah, I think that was fair to be honest with you. Yeah, and then um, I've, I've written that we struggled to create much after that, and I've struggled to write much after that because nothing really happened um, really until the end of the half. Um, I'd say yeah. Salford probably maybe ended the half on a high, a bit higher than us, um, but we didn't really create much, should we? Yeah, they had us, they had us on the ropes a little bit. Um, as I say, there was. Uh, I'm looking through my Twitter account now to remind myself what happened in that calf. I had uh, someone let a flare off in the south end. Yeah, <laughs> so they did. Yeah. Stewards had to go in. Uh, the referee missed a blatant handball, and that really, really knocked off the town fans. Um, I don't think Holloway did enough in the first half, Ollie. I, I, no. I really don't think. But then was, at the same was... time, uh, someone was, um, was a um, Mark on um, Twitter was saying, you know, you know, what's your view of the strikers and. I think it's hard to kind of criticise the strikers too much because, like Neil, um, mm. Neil at the game with me, he was saying, "Well, the strikers don't really get the ball to feet. They were paying it long." And as Neil was pointing out, isn't that what non-league defenders are going to kind of enjoy? Yeah. So we didn't pass into their feet. And there's two things, you know. Another and the biggest for me, the biggest gauge of how well a striker's doing is are they missing chances? Mm. Well, I don't think mm. they missed any chance. Now you could say, you know, are they even getting in the space for chances? But they did not missing chances and. 
I just find it must be very frustrating being a Shrewsbury Town striker because you don't, you don't, you know, you don't get the chance to come away going, oh, I missed my, oh, I know, I fluked my lines. So you don't have any lines. I just, I, you know, there is. I think it, it's to blame on on the chances you create. But I do think the strikers don't do enough. There was a point. I'm going to pick out Holloway a couple of times. There was a point where Holloway had a, a cross at the back post. Um, again, right in front of us, Faye knocked, knocked one over to the back post, and he got a bit on it, but it just got nowhere near enough. On it, it was powder puff, and it sort of drifted wide. But also, there was another point um, during the game, and I sort of remarked on it in that we did have a break, and when you looked at where Holloway was, he was miles behind the play. Um, so I do think that you know there are circumstances where during the game you notice that we would do a couple of breaks quickly and then it seemed like we ran down a, a sort of um, a cul-de-sac and that's yeah. mainly because a lot of the times we overran Holloway and therefore you went to then pick your head up and look for that next pass and he's behind you so I, I do think there's a, there's a definite thing what you're saying there about you know blame on the midfield for some of the chances that are not being created by these strikers but I have to say uh, overall for that for that game I think you, you put a lot of it down to Holloway's positioning and, and uh, positional play if you will and, and I, I don't want to be too hard on the bloke but, but the I, I honestly was think poor though Glenn like, it was, was a lot of the yeah, times I, we didn't even get into our final third. Nope, we didn't. Um, so I, I think I think it's fair to say the strikers are not great. No, but I think I think it's a bit harsh just to put the blame on them. I think I think the, the passing was not, poor throughout the whole game. So. I, I'm not saying it's ah, okay. entirely the strikers' fault. I, I completely agree. It's a yeah. combination of the two, and and it's it's not one or the other, unfortunately. So. Um, yeah, it is a shame to be fair. I thought Faye probably had the better of the first half of the front two just because he was a little bit more dynamic and, and he had a bit more quick feet and stuff. But Christy drifted out of the game in the second half, so we'll come to that in a minute. But um, yeah, that, that was a, that was about it really in, in terms of me. I mean, I wanted to ask you a question, Ollie. You know, we've talked about the diamond at Wimbledon and it had its, it had its positives, but it also had its negatives in terms of, of, of how it worked. You know, I haven't seen it today against what was a conference team, Ollie. And, you know, this definitely plays into what happened in the second half. But at halftime, were you thinking... Yeah, I like the diamond. It is getting those four players on the pitch and stuff, but you know, Laurent was wasn't great in it. To be fair, and, but did you think this game was crying out for width for once? I thought this game was crying out for width, but I just don't understand what we do in the week. Mm, like, I, if are we practicing this in the week? <laughs> because I hope so. It doesn't look like we are. I'm trying not to be over. I'm just I don't know. I'm just trying to trying to be calm and just kind of have a think about it because. We don't look like we know each other. Mm. Like you know, when like you get the okay, we change formations all the time. Um, and then some, someone was talking about I can't remember on the radio or something like that. I'm talking about Man City, and obviously that's a bit of a, a crazy link. But it was interesting to say, you know, whenever you know, a central midfielder gets the ball for Man City, and they know that there's going to be a winger out wide. You know, they know where Sane or Sterling or um, you know are going to be because they have a very natural, they have a, a consistent shape. Yep. But yeah. when our players got the ball, um, and this is one of the great comments from Neil, he said there wasn't even, there was never two options to pass the ball. Sometimes mm. there was only one. And quite a few times, so Waterfall gave the ball away a few times, didn't he, when he was trying to do like a long pass? Yeah, and he's he got was, to stop doing that. But he was trying to pass the ball to man to feet, but there wasn't yeah. any options. So, yeah, like, you know, you're talking about having those men on the pitch, but, you know, Laurent would disappear into the crowd, um, and Norburn would disappear into the crowd. And how many times did the ball get to feet to Doherty? No, there's well, no movement. There's no movement. You've got to move and you've got to pass and you've got to move. But there's yeah. no movement. The team is so rigid. And I just don't think that the team are comfortable. I don't think they've practiced enough. And it doesn't feel, had a feel today about the team was kind of, you know, kind of strangers a bit. Does that make sense? Or am I just I completely talking agree. nonsense? No, I, I think it's hard to figure out, you know, like Dom Kirby said to me last week, how are we, tr- well, I think about Dom or, or Martin Berry, I can't remember what it was now. But saying, you know, you look at this formation, you think, how are we, what's the plan for trying to score a goal here? 
do you not do you not think that's how it looks like? And, you know, in, in, you'll get Doherty, Norburn, Laurent. They'd all kind of go forward as a three in that middle. They'd be having lots of passes in the central midfield, then onto the edge of the box, and then they start to look wide still for someone but to cross if it we, in. But if, only, if we got it to the box, sometimes we'd even get there. Yeah, true I, enough. The first half it went better with I think with Emmanuel overlapping, but yeah. uh, but um, but Emmanuel couldn't get forward in the second half because we'd lost the ball by the time he'd kind of started to move forward. And let's be brutally honest about it. Emmanuel and Beckles are not good crosses of the ball. In all mm-hmm. honesty, they're, they're you know right and left backs. So that's what they're there for. They're not they're not there as right and left the wing backs. One you know, league left backs as well. It's exactly. Premier League. So, forever, you'd expect them to put a good ball in. So what we end up doing is either shooting from long range, like you've talked about on this podcast before, and you know hoping that something someone catches something sweetly, which has not been happening enough for us, or you know, looking to put you know a cross in from one of your right and left backs who are not particularly consistent with that um, into one big striker and a small lad, and and it just you know there's just something not quite right about our forward play in terms of what the plan is about how we're trying to score a goal. It just you know you just don't you don't see it sort of thing. I, I don't know. It's very difficult yeah. to, to, to kind of judge it for me. And, you know, we're not football experts, I suppose, but just, you know, as a fan watching it, I don't, I just don't quite get what the plan is about how we're trying to score a goal. Um, and I think that kind of backs up what you were saying as well. Ollie. Yeah, definitely. So mm-hmm. yeah, as the players came out in the, for the second half, I expected a bit more energy and focus. Uh, yeah. And I guess on reflection, I guess, you know, we only do a half. So I guess our half was the first half because second half wasn't particularly good. <laughs> it's really funny you mention that. Someone on someone someone on um, someone on Twitter had put, "Oh well, we've just had the bad half. You know, we'll, we'll come out back <laughs> in the second half." Like you just said that, and then I I was standing and A. Plimmer, who's been on the podcast before, stands in the in the south stand and and he was just sort of near us. And I think it was about seven or eight minutes into the second half when it was really really rubbish. He shouted down to me, went, "No, Glenn." This is the crap half, and I was like, "Oh God!" And it was it. That second half was one of the worst second halves I've seen for a very long time, and not just Salah, but just in general with football, it was just a very dull and and boring game. In all honesty, and um, yeah, I just could not believe we came out without that extra zip that you would have expected from a team that had just gone in against a conference team at home. You you wanted them fired up, and I just I just did not see it at all, Ollie. No, no, and it, it you know, and the thing that was alarming as well is that Salford were finding so much space. I don't, we're, yeah, obviously playing the diamond, you are going to be a bit risky in in in, um, in wide areas, but in central areas as well, it was just basically grand to the back four versus the whole Salford team. Um, but but they didn't test Arnold, um, and they seemed to run out of steam after that. Um, and it mm. took until sixty minutes for us to get our first chance with an effort from Doherty. Um, I mean, just, yeah, effort. Yeah, it was. It was technically an effort. Statistically, <laughs> it was an effort. Yeah, but it wasn't a clear cut effort. There no. was a good goal scoring chance, was it? It was just a sort of long. It was still outside the box when he had that shot, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so again, just one of those sort of long shots. You know, I don't. You know, that whole that half. You know, you, you think about good chances in the game. You know, Salf, Salford had more than us. That's that's fair. You know, there was a chance in the second half where they shot and it was an inch wide of the post, Ollie. Um and I think that um Waterfall or, or one of the defenders got a little touch on it, sent it out for a corner. That was a goal if it uh, if he hadn't got that touch. And I you know, to me they created the better chances even though we had probably more of the ball in the second half, which was a bit weird. But yeah, it was it was so oh, we keep saying it, don't we? But we're just going forward we're absolutely toothless, Ollie. Absolutely yeah. toothless. It was really poor and again, as was repeated before, you know, there was never any options to pass. Um, but when we did occasionally have the intensity, we could create something, but it was very poor. And yeah, it was um, in the second half, I tweeted out um, that our, you know, the half so far was slow and uncomfortable one-way traffic for Shrewsbury. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was a bit like, you know, we were probing and trying and stuff, but you never really felt like we were going to get that close to scoring, to be honest with you. And um, they seemed to, that, that Nathan Pond had a pretty good second half for them, I thought. And at centre-back, he added about a way lot of stuff that we did put in there when we did cross, but it was so inconsistent, the crossing. You didn't expect Holloway to get on the end of anything anyway, and um, it, it was a bit weird. Some of the times we were playing long balls from the back to Faye, 
with Holloway standing like 10 I... yards away from him. I was like, what's this? Well, yeah, and their, their two centre-halves were pretty brutish. <laughs> we were never going to win that kind of header. And yeah, why were we putting it onto Faye? I don't understand. It was, it was a bit odd. And I, didn't see, I didn't see Holloway need any energy gels this time, though, so that's a good sign. Yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah, less said the better, maybe. Um, and then, yeah, and then it was a bit of an odd half because then, when, um, then Salford went 5-3-2. Um, which mm. really surprised me that they did that because, you know, okay, and then that just in- kind of invited us to come on to us more, but I don't know whether they were just, I don't know, pleased with where it was going or they were a bit concerned. I didn't see what they were concerned about. Um, and then, may- I don't know, maybe they just thought we want the replay for the money or something. I'm not sure. It's odd. I-, I think they did. I think that, you know, there's a fair shout to say that they thought taking a point away from us would have been, would have been a cracking result. You've got to remember we're a League One team and they're a conference team. So, you know, in situations reversed, I wouldn't have been too upset with our manager sort of sitting back. And Graham, Graham Alexander is an experienced manager, even at, at League One level, isn't he? And he, yeah. he knows what he's doing. I thought he, he played tactically very well. And then, you know, you, you see their manager trying to affect change and get what they want out of the game. And then what, what's Askey doing? He's making like for like subs and then nothing else. And then nothing yeah, changed. later on. Later on, bringing the shop on in the 89th minute, which I think some people booed around me. Yeah, you did get like, that yeah. was booed in the West Stand. Yeah, um, which was a rubbish, absolutely rubbish. What's the point? What's point? he going to do in those in those few minutes? I just don't get it. And yeah, tactical changes by ASCII, which were non-existent. Um, it was just like banging your head on a door, hoping it was going to open. It was just, it was poor. And again, it just, I don't know whether it's just he thought it was working. He said he thought we were the only team trying to win it in well, the second that's half, tr- which that's is technically bizarre. true because they were defending and they, they didn't really yeah, try to but, go forward. But it doesn't mean we actually played well or we actually were going to score. For it. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. So, he didn't make an attacking substitution in the game for me. And, and no. you know, you're playing a conference team at home. And this has been a repeated pattern now over, over the games he's managed us. He he doesn't like to go for games. No. He's quite a pragmatic game. And the more under pressure he's become, the more like that he's reverted to. And clearly he did not want to lose that game. He, you know, he knew he was getting sacked. He wouldn't act, would have to have known he was going to get sacked if we lost to Salford at home. I suppose a draw, at least he can turn around and say, well, we never got sacked, knocked out the cup. We've still got a replay. And it wasn't the worst result ever. I suppose that's maybe what he was looking at. Because I felt like both teams played for a draw at the end there. And as much as we were trying to attack and get the goal, it was just, it was still so disjointed and stuff. You never thought we'd really figure out what the hell we were going to do about it. Well, yeah, I just don't understand why we didn't try to do something differently. You know, the, what's the definition of insanity? And we could have done something different. We could have brought a wide player on. You know, you know, we were talking about um, earlier on, weren't we, about how they were kind of weak in, in wide areas and they didn't like us running at them. So why not mm. bring Gilead on? Um, you know, and just maybe play a bit of a lopsided um, formation with just one winger. That could have worked. Norburn was doing a, a, a decent enough job kind of covering the right side. Yeah. You know, could have just played a bit lopsided and just maybe pushed everything down the left. That's what Sunderland been... did to us and did a great job. So why not try something different? Instead, it's just, it's boring. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that brings me to two points I wanted to make, Ollie. One, which is the, the South fans started chanting, um, can you issues be seeing at some point during the second half? Yeah, as they it did. Was ticking on. And to be fair, you couldn't. There, were, there was no chanting or any singing really from any, any stands for a sort of good 10-15 minute period there because the game was so boring and dull and I put you know can you hear she's francing no because everyone is completely bullshitless and in all honesty that was the general vibe around us it was just you know the town were going through the motions and it was a struggle to watch really and then and the second thing was, he, he sent Gilead to warm up and he came right down in front of yeah, the South Stand. He must then. have been warming up for like 15 minutes. Now, right? Someone but said he was over 20, I saw. Um, <sighs> someone, he was out. Yeah, he was on Twitter. Right. Not Twitter, sorry. They, they, radio, um, radio Shopshire, someone messaged mm. Radio Shopshire in and said that he was warming up for over 25 minutes. But he wasn't really, in all honesty, Gilead's a half-assed character at the best times. He just stood by the corner flag watching the game. Like, he wasn't really warming up. I, I, I never got the feeling <laughs> he thought he was actually going to come on, in all honesty. But... 
he'd been sent out. So he's there out warming up in inverted commas for 25 minutes, whatever it was. And then when we make the substitute, he just gets the shop off the bench. He was not warmed up once. He just literally didn't leave the bench. And it's just, he did that a few weeks ago and everyone was like, why Why would you not even have got the, the shop at least into the pace of the game sort of thing? And, you know, at least got his legs going. But, but what I don't get is that the long ball forward hasn't been working. So we think, all oh, right, so the long ball isn't working. I'll put another big lad up and see if that changes things. No, John. Mm, no, no, John, indeed. It did, it did not work, did it? And um, yeah, as, as the game went on, really, it just got more, I mean, yeah, it got more tense and, and you know, a, a bit tetchy around where we were in block nine. And I do want to cover the safe standing experience in yeah. a minute as a whole, but yeah, definitely got more tense and tetchy and there was a lot more change it, do something, you know, and, and, and try and, you know, affect the game. Um, but I just kept thinking it was a Mickey Mellon, respect the point, even though it was a cup game. Yeah. <laughs> he was trying to respect the draw, wasn't he? And it was just uh, one of those things when Mellon was when Mellon was under pressure and he just wanted to get a draw out of a game they could have lost if he'd gone for it. And yeah, I, I will say the same thing again. It was just a negative a negative view, really. It was, yeah, it was poor. And just to guess, so the, the game finished one all, as we said. Um, and yep. For me, it was just the, the same old problems, no no solutions, no answers to any of the questions that we have. Um, so yeah, I guess before we go on to the kind of the post-match reaction, maybe just a little bit on Salford. Yeah, I mean they're not very good. <laughs> no, the, like, on, on today's reflection, so it's obviously one game, and it maybe been a poor. Correct. We said that they were quite poor in possession. They seemed quite sloppy. We picked their pocket quite easily. Um, they did quite a lot of bad passing. Um, yep. Adam Rooney's clearly obviously a good player. Um, the other the other ginger lad up front with him, you know, does a good pressing forward and did a lot of yep. hard work. Um, the number ten looked alright at times. So did um, yeah, he the number eighteen and, and twenty two when he took out Grant. That was quite funny. Um, we just launched him into the air um, and he got subbed after sixty minutes. Um, but probably the best player was probably Whitehead. I thought in their number eighteen. I think he looked like quite a young lad. I'm not sure if he is, um, but he looked alright. But you know, yeah, their, their, yeah. their defense was pretty poor. Um, yeah. And yeah, they don't like they don't look all that. Considering it's supposed to be an expensive team, they they very I was very underwhelmed. They haven't lost for eighteen games, Ollie, which is, I know. Which is crazy. I haven't seen them but today. But that's the thing. Show you. We're talking, and I think that's maybe the expectation. And some people online have been saying, "Yeah, but this is Salford. Okay, this is Salford." But they didn't look. You know, they didn't even look like a League Two team to me. No, I mean, you look at how crap a lot of League One teams we played been this season have. You know that we've not we've not lost every game. We've but actually you can been imagine Gillingham with, with someone like Tom Evans at front would have put them away. Yeah, I think I think so as well, Ollie. And 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 it's you know looking at the way they played and and where we. But confidence is a big thing in football. Is, you know, I do huge. think we're lacking a fair bit of confidence, and they they they've obviously not lost for eighteen, and that's that's been enough to see them through the game, and it, it makes the replay so bloody difficult for it us does. now. But um, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I wouldn't say they were totally crap, and you can't judge it too much on one game. Unlike when we're watching League One games, and you sort of see the results as they're going on. I mean, I I don't really know too much about Salford, but you know, I can understand why they're probably riding up near the top. They look quite robust, and as much as the two centre backs look ropey when they had the ball, to be fair, they were confident enough to be wanting it off the goalkeeper in tricky situations, and clearly they've got a little bit of. I think Nathan Pond's a decent defender, and you know I think he probably could be playing a level higher. So um, yeah, I think that's a fair, a fair comment. But I, you know I, I think that uh, they'd be favourites for the replay. So it'll be interesting to see how much different they play in the home game. But um, I think that's a fair view on them. But yeah, we should go back to our post-match reaction, I suppose, because. That's probably where the most interesting thing for me was at the, at the end of it. So me and the lads around us were talking. And I was like, well, I wonder what the reaction will be like on the final whistle. Because you knew, you know, two or three minutes out, it was probably going to be drifting into a draw. And I'd, I'd said to my mate Jerry, I, I don't think it'll be that bad. I don't I, I don't think people will be that angry. There'd been a little bit of sort of shouting at Askey as the game went on. But I thought, you know, we haven't lost. 
I, was I even surprised by how bad it was at the end? I, I don't know. I was a little bit surprised. I wasn't shocked. I know how angry people are about what, what's going on this season. But for, for a big sort of trade of, of block nine, um, you know, block uh, nine when we were in to sort of be shouting F off ASCII straight away. And that then led into an ASCII out chant that was much more widely chanted around the stadium. I, I, I think it was a very, very telling moment for what's going on at the moment, don't you? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Lewis Cox did um, his, his normal online video um, and kind of pointed that, you know, made a point about the chanting. And he said he was a little bit surprised. Um, and I was a bit, I'm actually a bit surprised it hasn't been like that before. Um, yeah, yeah, but he, yeah. But I think for me, I think it was kind of the, the poor performance, another poor performance. Um, and, you know, maybe we, we were hope, we were hope, well, I was personally hoping that we were going to, you know, come out, um, you know, have a bit of a performance. But the performance was so dull. It was lacklustre. It was, yeah, and again, n- not a step forward. Um, and it's, and that's the frustration among the fans that, you know, there is no green shoots in this team. The performances are not good. And, you know, we've played 21 games in all competitions now, Glenn, um, yep. and we've won five. And that includes the Stanley game, which was a bye. The freak was all against Barnsley, which I think the early goal completely changed. Where did that come and from? And then yeah? the Tranmere 6-0, which was just mm. basically men versus boys. So this season is not going well. Um, and I'm not surprised the fans are frustrated we're frustrated um, and the fans have been frustrated for a very long time it's not like it's happened in the last week or so you know it's been building for weeks and weeks now it's, it was. I get the feeling if all four had scored at Wimbledon, we would have had a little mini episode of what happened at the end of the game on, on Sunday. It's just gone today because I think it was bubbling up for definite from having been at Wimbledon and sort of seeing what people were like. But obviously, then we've got the winner and it's it's changed changed that vibe really. But it, I think that what was chanted today by by people that you know everyone was completely justified in that view from the football that they'd watched. And it's very easy to take a step back and say there's always a stat to throw at something and I'm I'm as bad as anyone for this aren't I? I'm always looking for stats and, and a lot of the time it's very easy to prove how bad ASCII's start was been because statistically he had one of the worst starts to any manager in the history of the club but you could also turn around Ollie and say right we've only won whatever it was four or five games whatever you just said but we've also lost very few games but you know at the end of the day when you boil all that down we've taken 18 points from 51 in the league which is really poor isn't it to be honest with you and we got knocked out the first round of the of the league cup and you know we've struggled in the in a game versus a conference team in the fa cup when you look at that as, as a piece for me that's where it pushed me over the edge to be asking out at oxford away and you know nothing really convinced me last week that it was any different at wimbledon i, I really wasn't impressed with the performance and, I've, and it's another game after oxford again today where i've not been impressed with the performance so I, i'm with them i think ASCII should go still and and i can understand why the calls for it are growing week on week yeah, the, the tide has been coming for a, lot, a long time. Um, yeah. And you obviously will, will come on to some of this in the post-match interviews, on, um, which yeah. is interesting. But just before we get on to that, Glenn, um, let's just go off on a tangent. So top three? Top three, tricky. I mean, I know Grant got the supporters man of the match as well. I saw that. I thought I had to give him that as well, just because he's given a role to do. It's not particularly expansive. Sit in front of the defence, win your balls, do your passes. And you couldn't really fault him for the job he did in that game today. He didn't really offer us that much going forward, but you don't expect him to do that when you've got three other attacking central midfielders in front of you. So Grant, clearly a standout man of the match. I thought Norburn had a pretty good first half. I thought he was probably the most dynamic of the other three midfielders in terms of going and ratting in there and trying to win the ball back. Uh, obviously scored a good goal um, in terms of, of what we needed at that point in time. So I thought Norburn stood out as the second for me, but he really did not play well in the second half. Um, and then I went for Sadler again, just because he, he did his job really, marshalled defence all right. And we didn't look ropey at the back like they did. We didn't really get tested, but whenever it came in, him, him and Waterfall did all right with it in the main. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that third one, you could you could say anyone really, but um, yeah, I went for Sadler. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of struggling, if I'm honest. 
Uh, I went for Grant <laughs> first because I guess he was the best player, I guess. Um, Arnold for that amazing <laughs> save. Um, and yeah, third, good. I really don't know. I was going to copy you, Glenn, and go for Sadler. Um, I'm struggling. Um, I don't think any of the players played really well. Um, and yeah, I've seen some yeah. fans, you know, criticise the players. And yes, we can criticise the players, but, you know, they don't decide the tactics. They don't decide what they'll work on in training. They don't decide on, you know, the formation and, and the tactics and all that kind of stuff. So, yes, the players maybe could you know, play better, but, you know, you know, if, if, I, I struggle to, to put too much of the blame on them. I do as well, but we've not talked about some of the players. Uh, no. You're right to say, I mean, Arnold did well other than the saves actually I think that's a fair comment he, he did come out and claim a few um, a few good balls of crosses and stuff as well so I thought it, all around he deserves to keep his place again you know you wouldn't you wouldn't think about bringing Coleman back in on the basis of that performance but the, you look at the back line Watford was a bit ropey a couple of times again today his, his heading was very wayward and so was his passing I thought as I say Sadler stood out a bit more for me in terms of again from where we were in the in the South stand you could see him trying to give that leadership which is why I went from his third it was a lot of pointing a, a lot of organisation so he was doing that job and I think that's probably why we stayed solid defence but you know Beckles and Emmanuel they offered a little bit of width going forward but it didn't wasn't really overly impressed with their performances um, and again we've talked about that midfield diamond but yeah you're right Doherty and, and got lost in the game a little bit you know considering how he's supposed to be this highly rated player he, he didn't really stand out at all against the conference team Norburn had a good first half but very much drifted out of it in the second half and he could easily have been replaced um, by someone Laurent I thought played poorly across the whole game Ollie I, I don't think we really mentioned that but he really didn't have a good game did he? No, uh, yeah I don't think yeah, he thought he was better than that I thought, I thought he was a bit better than that I thought he tried mm. but it was very Didn't hard. Well, I thought. Yeah, I yeah. think. I think again. I think it was just the players not used to playing this this formation, and yeah, they couldn't odd. find an option. And yes, I guess maybe they could have amongst themselves maybe created a bit more movement, um, and maybe that's what's done us in other games. But it was mm. it was hard. It was not good, was it? So so yeah, that it wasn't, was that. But, um, yeah, I had at least had a different experience today yeah. in the South Stand, Ollie, which was interesting. I mean. Uh, I enjoyed being able to stand out again for the second week in a row. Um, it was, it was, you know, got a bit of space. The five lads of us that went up there, we, we kind of got in there and we, we got our spot. And then I thought, there's a big empty space in front of us here in Block 9. Turned out it was the space where the drum goes. <laughs> so um, it sent one of my friends completely mental because the drum was like in the space in front of him. And it was just constant for the first 20 minutes. And then I think a steward came up and said, all right, lads, can you just knock it on the head now? Because <laughs> we're not doing anything. And uh, So, yeah, it did, did quiet down a little bit as the game went on. But it does certainly kind of get the atmosphere going, the drum, especially when you close to it. You kind of feel like you have to join in a little bit. But, um, yeah, that was good. So I enjoyed that. And um, the atmosphere was interesting in the South, in the South Stand, I thought. It was pretty positive in the first half you know that with the drum and the, and the atmosphere kept behind them the whole way and it was all very pro Shrewsbury you know good chance going fair play to the lads like that interesting as the game went on and you could tell there was sort of grumbles and stuff developing and a lot of shouting from the back behind and little half anti ASCII chance started and interestingly the guys with the drum and it's Justin who I know he kind of I don't know whether he does it perceptively or not but he then started to get sort of a John John Askey's Barmy Army chant going to try and counterbalance it which is which was interesting and I I know it's not much of a Barmy Army at the moment yeah he was trying to get it trying to get it positive rather than negative but as the game went on that was more difficult to do and it kind of stopped happening and um the, the John Askey Barmy Army chants just completely stopped. I think there was only two and they didn't really go too far anyway. So it was really interesting to see that sort of narrative in the South Stand. I wonder whether it's like that all the time, whether if you're in there and you're feeling a bit negative about the team, whether you kind of get drowned out by the drum. I don't know. Interesting, but um, certainly different to being in Block 17 and, and what that atmosphere is like. I, I imagine, I was going to ask you actually, I imagine it was pretty dire in there today. Oh, yeah, that wasn't much of an atmosphere. Everyone's just kind of <laughs> chatting amongst themselves, talking about, I know, the rugby and weather and... <laughs> what the FT? Um, it was pretty. Yeah, there wasn't much to get excited about, was there? Um, it was no. quite a, a dull affair. 
it's tough, tough for the tough for the lads to keep the atmosphere going there. But they tried manfully. And um, one thing I should just say as well: during that memorial, we the, the, the sports parliament with the club had made a, a big poppy with yeah, that looked good. That looked fantastic as well. And the, the South Stand put that up, and that looked really good as well. So that was fine. And I say we've talked about the boon at the end of the game, and I I recorded it from the, from there. And I was I say I was more surprised. I thought you know you'd hear that more in block 17, 18, 19, 16, where we sit. You know where. Perpetually, you could say it's a bit more negative than elsewhere, especially when you've got no. the group of lads trying to keep things positive in the South Stand. Yeah, but different. Group. It was very negative. Yeah, and, and the South Stand was more negative. There wasn't definitely. there wasn't the sweary chance in the West Stand. We were all a lot more civilized. We were just shouting, "Ask!" Well, I didn't actually shout, but other people were shouting, "Ask you out!" Um, yeah. Someone had the demerity to say the whole reason the South Stand was negative for the first time this season was because I went over there. I think that's a bit harsh, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't well, start. I didn't start any of those negative chants. It's while a bit harsh you on... <laughs> um, obviously do have quite a few followers on Twitter, I don't. Exactly. While I don't. Uh, while you've got quite a big ego, Glenn, I wouldn't say you're that powerful, are you? <laughs> Let's be honest. No, to, to I'm, I'm surprised fans. how much how much credence anyone gives me ever. I'm, I'm a complete idiot that talks about football on the internet. You know, why is why is anyone listening to anything I say? But there we go. Um, so it was interesting, and and but yeah, I think I'd probably go and watch a game from there again. I think I'll move a little bit further away from the drum just so I don't <laughs> completely wreck my long term hearing. And um, I don't know how Justin bangs that drum constantly. Like that. I'm not sure he's young and his ears are not as sensitive to noise. I think they might get some more sensitive to noise as you get older. But yeah, good good experience. That was sort of my highlight really was just having having that different experience. Yeah, it's but, good, isn't um, it? Obviously, I did it a few weeks ago. It was nice, but I did enjoy being back in the West End. So obviously, been in the in the posh seats and the seat and the standard. But oh, I was yeah. happy to be back in my my usual spot. Good. Good man. So that that was that. Then I, I walked out the stadium, Ollie, with everyone else grumbling, and bumped into a few town fans that we know. Ryan Humphreys sort of saw him, and another lad called Scotty Pearson, who used to play for the away supporters as well. I can't remember who you played during that period, but um, yeah, sort of bumped into them and the sort of negative thumbs down sort of chat, and um, not not great, is it really? And everyone was a bit down about the whole thing. Um, and then obviously we got back home and started to and I sort of walk back to pick my kids up because they were at my, my brother's house and. Um, yeah, kind of started to see the comments that had come from the press and some interesting things, Ollie. Yeah, it was interesting. So, yeah, you messaged me and I was just getting kind of, you know, you were checking up on me, checking I was working on the agenda, <laughs> and I was. Um, and you said, yeah, you need to check the post-match. So I was uh, intrigued to watch it. So um, I watched the post-match back. And um, first mm. of all, there was this random guy, I guess he was from the BBC, who seemed to be, in, I don't know, he seemed to be a little bit of obsessed with Salford, saying, oh, it wouldn't be a surprise if you guys had lost today. Mm, okay. Yeah. Classic BBC, yeah. Though, classic, it? just kind of yeah, following Salford and their kind of their um, their the aura that follows them. Um, and then he asked a few questions, and John responded, "Yeah, it was disappointing to see from set piece." And second half, we came out, and the only one he wanted to win it. So yeah, I guess that's true. Um, and then um, and then the, he was said, "You're not many chances," and John agreed there wasn't many chances in the game. Then BBC Shropshire had their turn. Dunny, yeah. So, yeah, so Dunny was on. So, yeah, it was tough. I thought, this is what Askey was saying, so I thought it was tough. I thought we were in a good position to push on. Um, and then Dunny said, um, you know, he didn't pass the ball fast enough and there's lacking a bit of urgency. And this had been mentioned earlier on in the interview. And then John just said, that's what I said. Yeah, and really awkward. Yeah, that was, that was like, yeah, <laughs> awkward. Um, and then, yes, and he said the replay were tough, but we have to kind of go there. Um, and then he, then he said about reaction by the fans at full time. Um, and John asked, it happens, nothing comes as a surprise. So that was all kind of a bit awkward and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, they, he played a straight bat on that question yeah, the first time was, to Dunny, didn't he? Which is interesting when you come on to what happened next. Yeah, I, I think. think, I guess maybe, maybe um, Dunny owes Lewis a hot chocolate or something because he wound <laughs> him up. And then, so then um, Lewis started with a bit of a loaded comment where he said, you know, taking those comments at the end, you can turn things around. And he said, what do you mean by that? We're still in the competition. And Lewis was like, um, you know, the fans and like the chanting oh, and stuff. 
And he said, the only way to turn the fans back around is, you know, to win games and get at the league. Um, and he said, they need to understand Salford are not a normal conference team. Okay, yeah. John. Uh, wasn't a, um, and then, and then, then it went really interesting. So um, he said, it's the media that causes it in the first place, such as yourself, awkward, um, <laughs> who brought that about in the first place for reporting stuff. What reporting the fact that we've been crap, John? Um, reporting the fact that he physically said, said to the press, "I'll get sacked if we don't win Wimbledon." Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then he said, "It doesn't help myself, obviously. It doesn't help the players. The main thing is the players, and the players, whether they played bad or indifferent or whatever, work their socks off, and that's the most important thing." Um, in the last few interview, hasn't John been criticising the players' performances and mm-hmm. attitude? Yep. So he's, he's, he's not, thrown them under the bus so loads of times for a lack of desire. And yeah, so it's a funny. So so we've had John Askey blaming. The players. We've had John Askey now blaming Lewis Cox for for the fans' negative kind of opinion. And um, when's he going to take some responsibility for this himself? Yeah, he's he's only admitted a mistake once, hasn't yeah. he? At Fleetwood, as far as I can remember, and and deservedly so. But he, he could have been more honest about his own behaviour and and not behaviour, his own abilities and and what what he's bringing out of them. Why are they failing to perform so often? You can't keep saying. Like to me, one of you know, it's 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 interesting listening to what you said to Lewis and and the implications that a Town manager is basically saying a member of our local press is stirring the fans up to get him sacked. Fairly fairly big accusation, really, that isn't it, Ollie? But um, for me, the one that baffles me the most, he was like, and the players, whether they played bad, indifferent, or whatever, work their socks off. For me, that's the most important thing. I'm sorry, I'm a huge Patan fan that went to that game today. In no way do I think those players work their socks off today. No. I, I'm sorry, I don't believe it. And if he's going to come up with crap like that, I'm not having it. No. It's just not, it doesn't make any sense. But the thing is, about, so first, firstly, has Lewis been critical? He's What is he supposed to write about? We've won five games out of 21. We're awful. We're playing terrible. We we, we lost to Oxford 3-0 and we just beat Wimbledon with a, with a, with a miraculous last-minute um, winner. Yeah, last yeah. winner. We're not playing well. Has, so, so, so what is Lewis supposed to write about? And secondly, what Lewis has been writing has been quite well-measured reporting. It's not, it's, not, yeah. it's, not, it's, not dra- it's not creating a drama. He's not making stuff up. He's not looking for enemies. He's not, he's not lying. We're paying poorly and he's reporting on how we're before. How many times, how many weeks and how many articles can Lewis write a week where he doesn't, you know, isn't, doesn't get to the point where he gets to a little bit critical? I think he's taken a long time. And, and finally, just on another point, Glenn, I wouldn't say Lewis Cox influences um, the fans. Um, no, you know, I, 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 without being too harsh, I don't think the, the circulation of the of Shropshire Star is huge. You know, not every single town fan. I, when was the last time you brought the Shropshire Star, Glenn? I haven't brought it. I read, very, it, I read very... articles online and, yeah. and I, I'd like to understand what our local press guys yeah. covering. That's I mean, you do you know, a at the end of the day, I... it's his job to be impartial yeah. and, and ask those questions, isn't it? He's not a Shrewsbury Town fan. He's probably hoping we do well like we did last season. I, I met Lewis a few times and it was a great journey last year, wasn't yeah. it? And, you know, any press guy would enjoy that, but it's their job to ask questions. It's his job to ask questions, but then he, do, you, do you think when you're reading Facebook and Blue and Amber and Twitter that the fans have been influenced by Lewis Cox. The fans have no, been. I don't, I don't think they're being. I don't mean they. I don't think fans get influenced by social media either. No. I think that's overly played. Yeah, the fans have yeah. been very, very critical of the performances um, themselves. The fans of some. The fans, as we've been reporting in terms of your polls, Glenn. The fans have been turning into the ASCII out camp over several weeks, over away over a month now, yep. um, and the fans see it themselves and. 
there is, you know, you do get different reactions, don't we? We've mentioned this quite a few times. You get different reactions of people at the ground who were at the mm. game, who weren't at the game. And today was just the place stank. Yep. It was but poor. It, was, it, was, it wasn't toxic, but it was just it was just a, a, a light, the yeah. life has come out of it really. And it's interesting. I just did that poll again tonight. So we were a couple of hours into it, and we're still up at ASCII out eighty one percent and ASCII in nineteen percent. So it's up a little bit of a, a percentage more, but that hasn't really changed from a couple of weeks ago. I didn't do one last week, but it, it, more, more wider on the press thing is obviously the whole the whole thing that maybe has kicked things off a little bit this week is that there was an article in the Sun, wasn't there, which was basically yeah. saying Shrewsbury have sacked John ASCII, but they can't get rid of him yet because there's a compensation issue right so turns out maybe that was a load of you know sun bollocks as usual and they maybe just developed all that by reading things that were going on on Shrewsbury Town social media or Blue and Amber or Facebook whatever the sun might have got a story from that seems weird why would the sun bother doing that do you know what I mean maybe you know people will believe that maybe some people will think well there's no smoke without fire but Brian came out in the week didn't he and completely rubbished it but then previous to that and and I'm sure Lewis won't mind us saying this and, and it was on Twitter they, they then went in to meet John Askey that same day and Brian had done an interview saying this is rubbish, I'm going to phone up this journalist, it's a load of crap. Then they obviously went to do the pre-match for Salford and Lewis went in and I believe that he asked the question um, about about the Sun article and what had gone on and he was told by the football club, no, you're not allowed to ask that question. We're not, you know, John's asking, answering that question. So it seems like there's obviously something been bubbling under the surface with the press and it's never good if, if our local team is telling the press what they can and can't ask questions about. You know, at the end of the day, if someone from the press wrote a horrible thing about John Askey, that's the sort of thing that probably causes it because people do get bitter yeah. about things like that. I'm sure that isn't the case. Um, and we know Lewis from having had him on the podcast at the end of the season to review the seasons, and he's a nice young lad. And I, I, I'm not going to say anything negative about him. I just think the whole thing there, there's, there's obviously more to it than that. And um, I'm not party to it. You're not party to it. But it is very interesting what's gone on in last week with the press, isn't it? Yeah, it is very interesting. And just kind of just repeating my point, the fans are not. The fact, the football, John, the football, your decisions, the way Correct. we're playing, yeah. that's making the fans negative. Not what, not what a journalist is writing, and um, yeah. yeah, it's really frustrating. And I thought, um, yeah, just kind of going on to some a really good tweet that came out from um, Tracy Jane Goodwin on Twitter, and yeah. she said, "I hate those who say give him a chance because last season was a fluke and where and where we should be. Um, it could have been the start of something, and Askey could have worked. He's not, so so let's yeah, he let's move on. He can't motivate and." he's blaming everyone but himself and I think the last line there is just is key that he's blaming everyone else but himself and is he going to take some you know some is he going to take responsibility for our poor performances again five mm. wins in 21 that's not good yeah it's, it's it's very interesting isn't it I'm just looking at talking about the press I believe Lewis has just put he an has. all those comments in that we've just done so we'll have to see how yeah, fans react to that, that as already, well but, uh, so. yeah in, in Interesting, but yeah, it's interesting doing a game, doing a game on a podcast. You know, soon after it's happening, when things are still sort of going on, isn't yeah. it? But there's been a lot of good tweets about it, and there's been you know the usual sort of. I'm not going to call them happy clappers because I don't, I don't really like that phrase. Even though I did accuse someone of being that in a jokey way earlier on, but there is the, there is still a lot of people who are asking in, and it is interesting that people have still got this this view that it would be too early to change it, and it would you know badly reflect on us as a football club. I, I completely agree with you, Ollie. It's about performance and it's about... That's what influences fans to shout F off at someone. You know, it's not a bloody media conspiracy. It's not a social media uh, hatchet job that some particular person has, has decided they've got it out for some particular manager and they want them gone. It's not us because we said ASCII out a couple of weeks ago. We're, we're not telling people how to think. We're just giving our views every week. It, it's it, Maybe maybe people think there's a slow creep of all that. It's not. It's people that paid their 12 quid today to go and watch a team. Just be shit. 
frankly. And, and, and that, for me, is what causes fans to get angry about football. It's the bloody football. Yeah. And, and that's it. That's all I want to say on it at the end of the day. Yeah, and there's a lot of people, um, right there in the names of fans who are, you know, who are quite, you know, quite calm in their responses and quite calm in their yep. tweets. And, you know, they are, you know, they go to a lot of sites. So the person I'm thinking of now goes to home, she goes to home and away games. Um, and, yep. you know, this is an opinion I would always respect. And, and when those people are being, you know, being quite critical, openly critical, mm. you know yeah. that, you know, the ship is not happy. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a, better, a best place to be. I think one good thing to say about Town fans is that there is quite a polarising opinion at the moment, whether it's gone from what it was at 1.50-50 in and out, it's more, you know, leaning towards the asking outside. I think that the debate online has, in the main, been good-natured. And I yeah. think that's a credit to Shubertown fans because a lot of fan bases just lose their shit and everyone falls out with each other. And, you know, I, I think we are still quite a united front. And even though people don't agree on what's going to go on and what might happen in the future and ASCII's future, I think, actually, the debate is good and, and hopefully that continues and people do sort of continue to understand that other people have different views and they're just as valid. So I think yeah. that's a, a fair point No, to definitely. I think it's a good point, Glenn. There was some really good mm. debates. You know, people have been listening to each other and taking their views on board. Um, you know, we're quite a well... As Paul Hurst pointed out, you know, we're a very conservative kind of mild bunch. Um, and I don't think mm. this experience is going to change us um, for that. No, and I don't. So, yeah. So I think... I, so I, I, think I, I think it's hard for us, though. I think as just talking about the podcast, Ollie, is that I'm aware there is another view. And, and, and that's why I do the polls to try yeah. and understand what the general view is because we do like to kind of reflect that. And... I'm aware there are people that still think John Askey needs to be given a chance and, and we listed a couple of weeks ago the reasons why, didn't we? And so I'm aware that that's there and it, you know, in no way is this anything other than our views as two people and you take your own views of the football you're watching yep. and, and, and leave it at that really. And um, I think the whole press thing, it was funny, I was just thinking back to the last time we had something like this and it was sort of the latter days of Mickey Mellon, which almost sort of did for him in the end, wasn't it? Where he sort of came out with the famous phrase, you lot upstairs. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I felt, felt a little bit listening to John Askey afterwards that we're in that sort of situation. And unfortunately, Mickey Mellon, when he did that, it was pretty much end game for him, wasn't it? So we'll have to see what happens this week. Yep, definitely. So, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. And yeah, quite, quite a lot of games coming thick and fast, um, which is quite a lot of pressure on the, on the team. We have. I think we'll round off that game there. We've got a couple of other sections yeah. to go through, haven't we? Um, predictions in a, and round up something from last week's podcast. So let's leave that result there. Um, we'll come to talk about the replay in a minute, but um, yeah, it's it's not been the best. No. <laughs> Live, having to concentrate, but Grant Holt has pulled one, nipping in front of Richard Pell and backing his 14th of the season. And there is still time here for Shrewsbury. Cool. So, yeah, um, on the podcast last week, um, we talked about, you know, if you could have a town player in the history, in our former history, um, you yep. know, of any season in the past, who would you add in? And when we discussed it, Glenn, you went for Grant, Grant Holt. Um, yep, I and I went for Mark Turney. I just think, yeah, someone at left back would be a great add. Uh, and, yeah, mm. this was Chris created a huge amount of discussion. Um, there was First, we posted it on Twitter, um, on the Saladcast account, and there was loads of comments um, on there. And then I posted it on the um, the, the, the uh, Facebook um, Salad cast page and that got loads yep. of responses as well and then finally Great. I put it on the Shooter Town Facebook group which got way over 100 comments um, so yeah it was, it's just funny isn't it town fans love to talk about a bit of history and a bit of nostalgia um, they do which is why we're doing one a nostalgic yeah. podcast for the Christmas special because I think it's good to re- reflect on our good and bad history yeah so well, a couple of responses so I'll just kind of summarise so there's loads of responses I said so on Twitter Cy um, from the club um, said Tommy Lynch who'd have gone for him and Mar- Martin oh, yeah. Moore said Tierney 
Agreed with you, did he? Yeah. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so Ian James went to Victor Casal. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, Cass- yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, the Scottish chap who, um, yeah, was a e- legendary, yeah, a legendary figure. player um, who liked to beer. Um, and then on <laughs> Facebook, Paul Downing said Alf Wood, no brainer. Um, and then, um, yeah, quite a few people went for. Um, so Christopher um, Gilso went for John McGinley. Quite a few people went for yeah. John as well. And then there was a, um, Daniel Ridgeway went for Grant Holt. Mark Charlton went for Carl Griffiths. Um, Jamie went for um, Joe Jacob, um, Joe Jacobson, um, and then yep. as yeah, there was a lot of people for for Grant Holt as well. But th- there it was, was nice to have a bit of yeah. fun and a bit of um, yeah, a bit of a bit of fun um, in it the mix of all our results. We'll have to think of a new question for next week and maybe do this as a regular feature. But it was interesting. I think when I looked across it, most people went for a, a striker of some kind, yeah. and, and you can understand why. When we basically haven't had a striker that could score any amount of goals for, since Grant Holt, so there's no wonder a lot of people went for Grant Holt as well. But yeah, it was, it was a good question. Well, maybe, maybe we'll do another historic question for next week, Ollie. We'll have a think overnight. But um, yeah, it's good. It's nice to nice to get you know town fans talking about things, isn't it? Away from just the the ongoing yeah. nightmare that is this season. But um, there we go. So. We'll move on to predictions straight away, Ollie, and we'll, we'll wrap up this podcast, really. And I went for a 2-2 draw last week. I didn't think we'd win. Um, I thought we'd draw, and so I got another point, which moves me eight ahead of you now. You went for a 2-1 win, so... Yeah. That, Ollie. But you're only a goal off, so not not too bad. No. Um, so, yeah, it puts me, puts me in a good position. So, um, yes, we've got two games this week, haven't we? We've got the, the crapper trade in the week, which is interesting, isn't it? Because... I know, there's probably Tuesday. a little bit more riding on that. Yeah, and, and it's obviously a very short period between that and that game. Um, we've got to beat Crew to go through to the next round. So if we go and lose at Crew, which could happen, then we're out of that cup as well. So <laughs> it wouldn't look good for old Johnny Boy then if he was still here. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to disregard the Czech trade because I don't really care. But um, next Saturday, a home to Rochdale is humongous, Ollie. It's a big game, Glenn. It's a big game, mm, um, and yeah, Rochdale are doing better um, overall than they did last season. Yeah, they had a terrible, uh, like yeah, obviously only just really stayed up, didn't they? It took them, yep. took them a while to get going. Beat us at the end, and it was a bit of a killer, wasn't yeah. it? That was that game, wasn't it? Oh, there, it was when a killer. The, who got injured there? Was it right near the end of the season? I can't remember. Yeah. someone got injured, didn't they? And it was, uh, it was a bloody killer. Yeah, Toto, wasn't it? Yeah. Think, yeah. So, so they're not having an amazing season, but they're, they're two points ahead of us in the league. Um, their recent results. I bet they're not good. They beat Gateshead <laughs> 2-1 today. Um, um, oh, okay. They drew with Luton. Uh, they beat Charlton 1-0 at home. Um, so, you know, a couple of decent results in there. This is going to be a tough, mm. tough game, that's for sure. They picked up a little bit. I do realise they were below us for quite a bit of the season, yeah. weren't they? But they're one of the ones that have jumped above us a little bit. So, who are you going to go for, then? Uh, they've got a much worse goal difference than us. They've got a minus nine compared to our four. So, they clearly ship a lot of goals. They've let in 22 goals to our 16 this season. Um Sorry, they've they've sorry they've let in thirty one goals compared to our twenty, which is a bit of a stark difference, isn't it? They've they've scored more goals than us. They've scored twenty two to sixteen. So, yeah, interesting. I suspect that both teams are are, are probably going to not be great. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to go for. It's hard to tell, isn't it? With not knowing what goes on this week, I think I'll go for another draw, Ollie. I think I'll go for a one-one draw, which would not help anyone really. Yeah, I was thinking about maybe it's going to be a draw as well. Um... I just, I'm not looking forward to it, weirdly. I, no, I'm not. <laughs> right now, that's, I'm not, anyway. that's the kind of the sentiment, isn't it? It happens if you start getting fed up of the football. That's just like we start getting a bit tiresome. Um, it's not a good sign. Um, yeah, I, I can't see it be more than a. I think I just a draw again. It seems to be our favourite result. Um, yeah. So I'm going to go for a nil, uh, one or draw as well. Interesting, interesting, yeah. And obviously we've got, uh, away from that game, we've got the replay with Salford then coming up probably the Tuesday afterwards. Do you think you'd go to the replay? A new ground you've never been to? Oh, I don't know. Um, maybe a new manager will go, but um, <laughs> I don't know. It depends. I need to, I'll have to depend on my work diary, where I am, mm. what I'm doing. Um, 
depends. If I'm in London, I'm not going to make the trip way up there. Mm. Um, but if maybe if, if I'm working from home, maybe I could catch a little ride to Euglin or something. I don't know. But um, I'm definitely going to go, Ollie. I, I think you know, just for the sake of, uh, I do I do like the FA Cup. You know, I, I love this. The is the FA other thing Cup, about yeah. the game today. It's um, that's why it was again more frustrating in some respects. It's important. The FA Cup's a big thing to a football club. Guys, and you know, we can't sniff at the money for getting through a couple of rounds in this competition. It would be important to us as a football club. Um, and that's why that just that lack of urgency really frustrated me today. So, no matter what happens, I'll, I will definitely go to that replay. I'd, I'd like to go to their ground. I've, I've seen it on telly a couple of times, and um, it's a new ground I've never been to. They might be in the, in the football league in a few years' time, so I won't have to do that when they come up to the ninety-two. So, I'll definitely go to that. Um, but I, 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 it's even harder than Rochdale at home. I think that game, to be honest with you, it's just feels like a, a massive massive banana skin now even worse than today but yeah I'll okay. go and um, yeah I guess that that's, I guess I'm struggling with this sort of podcast Ollie to finish off it's all still so raw tonight <laughs> it is raw um, and it's all a bit poor um, yeah well <laughs> just to say apart from thanks for listening guys um, yeah oh, I've got one last question Ollie before we do round off actually I meant to ask you do you think John Eskew will be manager when we record this podcast next Sunday I've got this horrible feeling that the club are not going to do anything for ages and we're going to be stuck talking about defeats, ASCII mm. out and crap performances for, for quite a long time. Um, I mean, if yeah, if they did, how stupid would Brian look after what he said in the press after that Sun article last week? That's the thing that makes me think he won't And then go. after the Wimbledon, no, was it Wimbledon game? Or the, I can't remember which game he was on um, talking about how, you know, how yeah, we're, it was after you know, we're yeah. on this project and all this kind of stuff. And I don't know, just... Oh. I yeah. I, can't, I, can't, I don't know. I don't know. Was today terminal? It was terminally bad. But was it terminal for Askey? I'm still not. 100%. I just. I'm just I really worried. At the end, I'm just really worried. Yeah. We're gonna. We're gonna kind of. I, put, I said this on Twitter, and I don't know if it makes sense to you, Glenn. Like in terms of, we're almost gonna make a martyr of our League One position, our League One status. Mm. Where I feel like we might be so proud, and we want to do the, what we perceive as the right thing and give him the chance. And it's going to mm. cost us our League One place. Mm, it's tricky. I, 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 you see I what said I mean? something wrong. Yeah, I completely understand what you mean. It's similar to my thoughts. Is that you know you've got you've got a negative cloud hanging over the manager and the, the club really as a result of it because of the chanting that went on today. In reality, the only way you move forward positively from that is two ways. One, you John Askey suddenly has a has some sort of personality transplant, wins a load of games, and and fall, everyone falls in love with him, which seems nigh on impossible or you sack him and to be honest with you is the, for the football club to move forward and, and you say retain that league one position and you know not get relegated which would be a bloody disaster sacking him is the easy option it's not the cheap option no. but it's certainly the, certainly the more likely option to get a result and some some people will say well it's just throwing the dice isn't it well to me it feels like sticking with ASCII is sort of rolling the dice on that anyway so you know let's take a 40 50 grand hit or whatever it is we have to pay him off um, the funniest thing I thought I, I tweeted today, Ollie, was not bigging myself up. Was um, I, it felt a little bit like in the second half that the town players thought that if we get a replay, the extra money might be enough to pay Askey. I some bit someone behind <laughs> me. Um, you know the guy that sits to your kind of just over your right shoulder, who sometimes shouts oh, yeah. quite fun, some funny things. Um, he posted out and um, like someone someone shouted, "Norburn, you don't know what you're doing." And he goes, "He does. He's trying to get him sacked." Um, but <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not good. It's, it's an it's an interesting one, but I would say you know if you know we've we, some people that have been quite uh, let's say um, strong in their opinion to us, 
Um, yeah. And we have said to a few of these people, you know, if you want to come on the podcast and share your views, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely do Always. that. So, you know, if you are, if you do, if, if you think we're wrong, you don't agree with us, you want to have a debate, you know, please send us a message. You know, we're, we're happy to have that debate. And it's happening on the terraces. It's happening yep. on there. Yeah, it yes. just happens that the two of us are, are kind of on a, on the same square on this one. So we're happy to have that yeah, debate. Yeah, I mean, we've, 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 we've tried to get guests to come on, but unfortunately all the people that we've known and had on before are all pretty much... Everyone is, <laughs> actually. ...pretty much asking yeah. out, unfortunately. And so we've been asking for some of the more positive fans to send us, a, you know, just a clip of a, an MP3 and we will play it in on the podcast and we'll discuss it. But as yet, we have had, had no positive responses. So the, the, the question is out there to, to the sort of asking in people. Come come challenge us. We'd, we'd love that, to be honest yep. with you. And, and let's have the debate. But... Uh, yeah, you can see we're struggling to finish this podcast. As I said before, <laughs> we went off on another it's tangent. It's, uh, it's, uh, let's go. Podcast over. Cheers, guys. Done. Thanks very much. <laughs>